Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. Jonah chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. We are in the second uh, installment of our series where we will be looking just mainly at the first chapter of the book of Jonah. Mainly the first chapter of the book of Jonah, and then we'll figure it out from there. Uh, We may go further, we may stop at the end of the first chapter. But as of now, we are going through the first chapter. And the title of this evening's message is, Wake Up, O Sleeper. Wake up, old sleeper. And let us remember as we get into this message tonight and go through this lesson that the book of Jonah simply isn't just a fish story. It's a story of the grace of God. It's the story of a people who don't know God and how God uses those who do know Him to go and tell them. It's a story of how God calls us to Himself. A story of how God calls us to his purpose for our lives, and that even when we try to run from him, even when we try to run from his purpose, even when we try to run from what he would have us to do, God's hand of mercy and grace still extends to us. So please stand this evening as we honor the reading of the Holy Word of God from the book of Jonah, chapter 1, beginning in verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. The mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. Let us pray. Father God, we pray that you would do what only you could do And that is dwell among us this evening. God, we pray that you would bind any thought from this place that isn't heavenly. We pray that you would bind any spirit from this place that isn't your Holy Spirit. And we pray that you would do a work in us this very evening. And it's in your precious name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Here we have the prophet Jonah. So we keep in mind what happened last week. Jonah has paid his money. Jonah has boarded a ship trying to flee from the presence of the Lord. And now the ship has set sail, leaving the port of Joppa, heading towards Tarshish. Now Tarshish is some 2,000 miles away from where Jonah is supposed to be going. Jonah is supposed to be going to Nineveh. And I think that Jonah, as he's now in the ship, heading towards Tarshish, perhaps thinking he'd given God the slip, perhaps just exhausted from his travel. But nonetheless, he climbs into an inner part of the ship, and off to sleep he goes. 
The word says that he was fast asleep, but let me remind you that as he sleeps there in the bottom of that boat, we are going to see that the relentless hand of God on his life was coming to give him his wake-up call. The Lord loved Jonah too much to leave him alone and let him stay asleep in his sin. The Lord was not going to just wake Jonah physically, but he was going to wake him spiritually as well. And perhaps... As you sit here tonight, as we get in to this old Bible story of Jonah, you recognize already that God is trying to get your attention. God is trying to wake you spiritually. You're trying to sleep through it, praying that you'll wake up and he'll leave you alone. But friends, let me tell you something this evening that we're going to see as we study through this book of Jonah. God knows how to wake you. And if he has to, he will blow the boat of your life apart. God will leave you clinging to a piece of that boat in a sea with no life jacket. If that's what it takes to humble you and bring you to his will. Now, my friends, that isn't the kind of wake-up call we like to talk about in church, is it? That's not the kind of wake-up call we really want to discuss. That's not really the kind of God that we want to talk about. But, my friends, that is the God of the Bible, the God who will send the storm to wake you up on occasion. And it's not because he dislikes you. It's because he loves you too much to leave you slumber in your sin. So let us look at a few things that Jonah had to see, and I believe that we need to see as well. And the first of this is that we need to recognize the cause of our storms. We need to recognize the cause of the storms. Scripture tells us that while Jonah is asleep, down in the bowels of the boat, as he lay there fast asleep resting, things got pretty sketchy up on the top deck. Things got pretty rough up on the main deck. The rain started pelting. The wind started blowing. Now this storm that blew up was not your average, everyday, normal, blow-of-the-mill storm that blew up. How do I know that? Well, if I look at verse 5, it says, Then the mariners were afraid. Now who were the mariners? They were the men who lived their life on the sea. They were the men who were used to the storms. They were the men who were used to the wind. So if it says that they were afraid, that tells me that this was not your average garden variety, normal, everyday thunder bumper. This, my friends, was a wind to go and write home about. A perfect storm, you might say. And they were afraid because of this intense wind. This, I think of a hurricane type wind in my mind. When I read through those verses, I don't know how many of you have ever taken part of watching the deadliest catch on the television, but I used to watch the deadliest catch on TV. So I can relate when I think of Jonah and the men on the boat, I think of those guys out there fishing for them crabs with the boat flying up in the air and the water rushing over the side and sliding around and carrying on. That's what my vision goes to. You just use your imagination to go wherever it goes, but what I want you to know is this storm was intense. But Jonah was asleep in the bottom of the boat. And we might do well, though, to recognize that this storm was caused no less but by the mighty hand of God. The mighty hand of God had sent this storm towards this boat. 
Now, friend, maybe tonight there's a storm on your horizon. Maybe you're already smack dab in the middle of your storm and the rain is starting to sting your face. But what I want us to remember as we go through this, because we don't like to think about this. We don't like to think about it. But the same God who can deliver us from our storms can deliver the storm to us to serve his divine purpose in our lives. This language here suggests that God hurled the wind. It's almost like he threw the wind at the, at the boat like a weapon. One commentator wrote of this text, God set his sights and threw his weapon at the disobedient prophet in the belly of this boat. He hurled this wind. He slung it like a spear. He zeroed in. The disobedient prophet lay asleep and God used the storm as a weapon to turn Jonah's head, to wake Jonah up, to move Jonah from where he was at. And we see that God has power over his creation. We see it so many times in Scripture. And we need to remember that God can stir up a storm just like that. He spoke it into existence. He can command it with a word. And when it serves his divine purpose to send a storm in your life, he can send it just like that. God can send a storm that blows your job security away. God can send a storm that blows your financial security away. God can send a storm that wrecks your Seemingly comfortable relationships. He can send a storm that can change your comfortable life in a matter of moments. This thing that you're so depending on that's not God, that you're so leaning on that's not the will and the way of God, that you've become so comfortable clinging to, God can send a cloud over you in just a moment to drop buckets of rain. God can move among the affairs of men and flat mess them up when those affairs don't line up with God's plans for your life. See, sometimes we see the storms in our lives and we think, oh, what a coincidence. What a coincidence. Here I am clinging to my sin with both hands. Here I am living contradictory to what I know God has called me to do. Here I am, and I've got everybody fooled. Nobody knows that God called me to Nineveh. Nobody knows what's going on. And here I am. Surely they'll know that I'm not doing anything wrong because I'm sleeping in the belly of this ship. And if I was doing something wrong, I couldn't sleep. But my friends, I'm here to tell you that we don't need to call these storms coincidence. Sometimes we need to call these storms grace. Sometimes we need to look at these situations in our lives and realize that God is trying to get us to wake up and repent and turn back to him. But let us not just forget about the cause of this storm it is God. Let's not just forget his, his hand causing the storm, but let's not forget the hope of God as well. Because if we aren't careful... If we're not real careful, you could listen to me go on, you could read this text, and about this time you could say, boy, oh boy, Jonah has done it now for sure, hadn't he? Jonah has, he's just done it, and it's hopeless, and there he's at, and God's hurling storms at him because oh, there must not be any chance. But let us not forget that this storm is not meant to kill Jonah, it's meant to save Jonah. This storm is not a punishment of God brought on by his anger, anger as much as an intervention of God 
brought on by his affection. What do you mean, Pastor? How how are you going to say that God's sending a storm that may sink this ship and call it his affection? Consider the other option for Jonah and consider the other option in your life. If you wander away from God and start to head towards Tarshish when you need to be heading towards Nineveh, what if God doesn't put his hand of mercy to send a storm your way? He just lets you go. What does that mean for your life? What's that going to accomplish for you? Number one, it means that you must not know him. But what good would it do for you to get all the way to Tarshish and not be in the will of God? You're not going to be satisfied when you get there because you're not in the will and the way of God. Can I just remind you of something? Even if the storm wrecks the boat and Jonah ends up at the bottom of the ocean. Now we know that's not how the story ends. But even if that had been what happened, if if the book of Jonah had ended at verse 8 with the storm sunk the boat and Jonah ended at the bottom and he had been wrecked just as much as possible, he would have been far better at the bottom of the ocean in the will of God than he would have ever been on that boat heading away from God's will. And friends, let me tell you something. When you feel the wind and you feel the stinging and you feel what seems like a storm that God is hurling your way and you know that you're living in disobedience to the word and the way and the will of God. You're not doing what God has called you to do. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. And this storm is raging on in your life. My friends, it is far better that that storm is there than that you be without the presence of God in your life. It is far better that that storm be there to turn you back that you could get out of the boat, that you could get headed in the right direction, that you could wake up and recognize that it's the affections of God pulling you back towards Him. Will you wake up, O sleeper? Because we have to recognize the cause of our storm, but let us look quickly at the consequence of our sin. Just because this storm is not really a punishment of sin... Don't think that there aren't still some consequences for this sin. Let me be clear. God is so gracious that he will rescue you from your rebellion. God is so gracious and merciful that he will pluck you from your lowest state. But there are still consequences that come along with the things that you do to get there. And one of these we have to realize is that what Jonah was going to have to realize when he woke up. He he didn't only affect himself, did he? Jonah was the only one. He he felt like he was the only one that had sinned. But here as he sat on this boat, there's a whole slew of people in what I would call collateral damage in the storm wake of brother Jonah, the disobedient prophet. There's a whole boat full of people suffering that storm, isn't there? Did they they take part in Jonah's sin? No, they are collateral damage to the sin that Jonah committed. Friend, you can be sure of one thing tonight, as, as sure as I'm talking to you. Your sin, though you may think you commit it privately, your sin ultimately will affect other people besides yourself. No matter how far you may retreat into the woods to go and commit your sin, it still affects the people in your life. 
It still ripples out and affects the people away from you. It's not just yours. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. The original sin of Adam and Eve started a ripple that flows through humanity still today. And likewise, the ripple started by your sin may be waves in someone else's boat somewhere down the road. You may be sitting here this evening thinking that your rebellion is only going to affect you. But let me tell you something, brother or sister. If you're a part of this body of believers, then we're all in the boat with you. We're all in the boat together. Your storm becomes my storm. My storm becomes your storm. And so even though you may think you sin privately, the consequences of your sin ripple out. Remember the story of Achan. Shortly after the Israelites conquered Jericho, they lost in a battle to a very small nation called Ai. And it was a result of what? Of one man's sin. One man's sin in that whole army. One man's sin. You don't sin in isolation. Just like Jonah, we will always draw others into the drama and the dilemma that is our sin, even when we don't mean to. And look quickly with me before we move to the final point. That in addition to the lives that are affected, there are also going to be losses that pile up. Remember back, if you were here last week, back in verse 3, we pointed out that as Jonah went to Tarshish, he had to pay his own fare to get into the boat. There was losses that would be incurred by Brother Jonah as a result of his rebellion. And one of those was going to be financial. It was going to cost him some money to get on that boat to try and flee from the presence of God. Well, here when we fast forward to verse 5, look at what's happening. The mariners were afraid and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. They threw the cargo out of the boat into the water. Now, my friends, I'm not real bright. I don't know much about shipping schedules. I'm not a mariner. I don't know much about how boats carry goods from one place to another. But I'm pretty sure of this. If the boat had goods on it and they were selling somewhere, they were supposed to take those goods to the place they were going to collect money for the goods that they had. So if they threw them in the ocean, they lost financially. There were losses that continued to pile up as a result of Jonah's disobedience. Isn't that how it happens to us, though? I mean, all of you can think of a time in your life where you look back and you say, if I had only gotten back into the will of God, if I had only done what God had commanded me to do, if I had only gotten off my pride kick, because that's what it is, right? When you're doing your own thing instead of what God's thing, it's your pride. If I'd only humbled myself, if I'd only swallowed my pride and done what God had called me to do, it would not have cost me so dearly. It would not have cost me. The losses wouldn't have continued to pile up. Friends, God is trying to intervene in Brother Jonah, but Jonah would not wake up in time to stop the losses. Jonah would remain asleep as the cargo went overboard. And so this evening, my friends, I ask you, how long will you sleep? 
How long will you let the losses continue to pile up before you wake up? What is it that you will have to lose? Let me ask you that again. What is it that you have to lose before you hear the wake-up call from God and recognize that He's calling you back to Himself? What is it you got to lose? Is it the cargo from the ship? Is it the boat that you're riding in? Is it the money that it costs you to flee from the presence of God? What is it that you have to lose before you recognize that God is calling you back to himself? So first, the cause of the storm. Second, the consequences of the sin. And finally, let's look quickly at the condition of the heart. Think about some irony with me. I I, I love the irony in this story. Why was Jonah heading to Tarshish to begin with? What did he not want to do? He didn't want to go to Nineveh. Why didn't he want to go to Nineveh? Because there was a bunch of pagans there. They were all heathen pagans, enemies of the people of God. I don't want to go preach to those pagans. And so while Jonah was fleeing to Tarshish to avoid the pagans in Nineveh, God placed him on a boat full of pagans. Isn't that ironic? How do you know they're pagans, brother? Well, look at verse 5. It says they all cried out to their own gods. They all cried out to whatever god they worshipped. They didn't worship God. They were mariners. They just worshipped to their own gods. They were pagans. And so Jonah, in an attempt to get away from preaching to pagans, ends up on a boat Full of pagans. Won't God do that to you every now and then? When you think you're trying to flee from his will, he'll say, all right, I'll just bring it to you. It gets even better. God had commanded Jonah to go and warn the pagans of the impending doom that was coming to Nineveh. Look at verse 6, though, and look at what happens. So the captain, chief pagan, came to him, Jonah, and said, What do you mean, sleeper? Rise, call on your God. Jonah's trying to run from a call to go and warn the pagans of what was coming, and God uses a pagan to warn Jonah that if he won't wake up, he's got to wake up and call upon his God. In short terms, the captain says, What are you doing? Call upon your God and maybe he'll spare us. And while the captain probably didn't know it, the words he spoke were so important. Because he's essentially saying, Jonah, you need to look inside yourself. Jonah, you need to take a long, deep, hard look inside yourself. Cry out to your God and recognize that you have a heart condition. And that heart condition has placed itself in an area of disobedience and you are running from your God, but you're running from Him because you have a heart condition. You're living in rebellion, Jonah. Would you turn back to God? Would you look to yourself? Turn to God and maybe He'll spare the rest of us with His hand of mercy. And so this evening as we close, I ask you just a few questions. What do you got to lose before you'll get out of your rebellion? And more importantly, will you look at your heart condition and wake up 
O sleeper. Because that's what you're doing. You may not be physically asleep, but you are spiritually sleeping, trying not to look at your heart condition in the bottom of the boat, running as fast as you can from the will of God and wondering why there are storms in your life. Wondering why these storms keep coming up. Maybe, just maybe, it's because your gracious God hasn't given up on you yet. And he's sending a storm to turn you back. Will you turn to him tonight and wake up, oh sleeper? Let us pray. Father God, we thank you. God, we thank you that in the midst of our rebellion, you would call us back to yourself, Lord. God, we thank you that in the midst of our storm, you would wake us from our slumber, Lord God. God, we thank you that just like the prodigal son, if we will only turn back to you, you will receive us with open arms. God, I am keenly aware that in the house on Sunday night, the faithful bunch, those who came back to worship you again, but I am also keenly aware that in this house tonight, there's someone, probably more than one, but someone who's been living in a state of rebellion, trying their best not to do what you've called them to do, trying their best to live their life on their own, trying their best to cling to their own pride. God, would you convict them, humble them, and cause them to turn back to you. And it's in your precious name that we pray, Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.